We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Coast-to-coast hockey coverage continuing here on Sabres Live this week. Joined by Marty Baran, I'm Brian Duff, and it is a unique situation we find ourselves in today, Marty. Something life-changing, or at least uh, something never experienced before. Life-changing is a really good way to put it. Life-changing. So this morning I had an early appointment at Belgren's Auto on Eggert Road, right? Getting new tires. My tires were worn out. And Plowmaster 43 needs new tires for the winter the, session to be able to tires, plow. Were the tires like this? They they actually, Duffer, they were. Like, it was like Nathan Page saw my tires when we pulled up at the airport at the draft. And he goes, Marty, you got to get new wheels. And I like, yeah, I know I'm getting working on it. It's going to be later this summer. But anyway, so Belgren's Auto took care of me. It was fantastic. I walk in. And Don is the guy that I've been talking to, a great guy, like works uh, on the variety uh, club Teleton and knows the Goo Goo Dolls and knows so many people. It's, he's been around a long time. He's awesome. He looks up to me and he goes, man, you're a lot shorter than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> and I started, that was the first thing he said to me. Man, you're not shorter. I thought you were going to be. And so I started laughing. Obviously, there's a Sabres Live, you know, listener that has learned the way to introduce himself because of you, Duffer. This has never happened. It's the first time, Don. You're the first to ever say I look shorter in in real life than they thought I was. Well, you definitely look younger now. Uh, that may have been up for debate a few years ago, but I don't think there's any question now. So you've got that going for you as well. And honestly, this is this is you had us wondering, like, you know, what had happened this morning. I didn't. I'm glad you've put safety first and foremost here for uh, Plowmaster 43. You got to you, you need good traction for the coming season. And, you know, we've been diving in here on the show. And Shannon Goldman's going to join us, by the way. Um, yes. Bottom of the hour here on our Friday staple. Um, we've been diving in with players of the day. As we get closer to training camp, season opener, preseason, everything, you name it. Um, and we've talked about a couple of, of players so far this week in Paterka and Samuelson. That yes. obviously, like so many, you know, that there's this really, really, really large core of under 25 players that have yet to define themselves. And that's not a fault. It's just where they're at in their time frame in their career. And we thought Peyton Krebs would be a really interesting guy to dive into mm-hmm. today because I don't know how many times people have been doing this throughout the summer, you know, building your depth mm-hmm. charts for the Sabres. What do your lines look like? Who's going to take the spot vacated by Quinn? Is it going to be someone who wasn't on the team last year? Or is it going to be someone that Don Granado knows well, but wants to elevate and give great opportunity to? And I have to assume that no matter what situation we're talking about, but primarily five on five and penalty kill, Peyton Krebs has to be looking at this season as 
Well, perhaps unexpected, obviously, because of the Quinn injury, but a major, major opportunity at this stage of his career. Yeah, there is a major, major opportunity, but I almost feel that when you're in the NHL a couple of years now, going into year three, and then, I mean, year three, four, five, that if you have missed your opportunity, there's somebody else that is in year one that is going to jump ahead of you, that is going to get that opportunity. And Peyton Krebs is not yet at year four and five, but in year three, is he penciled in as a guy that could always move up, like with a green circle around saying there's still more upside? Or is it penciled in in a red binder like I have here on MSG and saying, no, this is a guy that is at his spot right now or may regress a little bit, uh, you know, just because of the needs on the team. So I I find that Peyton Krebs is at that crossroad right now. And really, it may not even be on Peyton Krebs. It may actually be actually be on what everybody else around him does and Mm -hmm. how the, the coaching staff and Kevin Adams and the hockey department see the direction they want to go. So yeah, obviously with the Jack Quinn injury, there is a spot open, but I don't see Peyton Krebs being a right winger in the top six, but does that mean that somebody from the bottom six gets elevated to that spot? And all of a sudden Peyton Krebs finds himself in a third line role, as opposed to a fourth line role. There is still that opportunity. Peyton Krebs is not, well, he'll replace Jack Quinn. I think there's a lot of other candidates but that could also open the door for Krebs to move up. Or maybe you feel more comfortable. You say, no, Krebs is in a fort line center spot. That's his best location. And we're going to utilize him that way, which then he gets labeled that and will probably be that for a long period of time. Amazing, isn't it? The number of topics we've discussed this summer and amidst them, the center ice position and almost the flirting nature of the conversations. Like, do they dare play Tage out of the middle? And then, you know, how does that affect Casey Middlestat and on and on and on it goes. And I think the same is true for the bottom six. When you talk about, okay, well, is Middlestat a center in the bottom six is Jost going to be now that he's, you know, resigned is he is he going to be able to fight for higher ice time or yeah. if Krebs moves up is it automatic that Jost would become fourth line center so these are all again to be played out in training camp which is less than two weeks away I mean we're we're flat out one week away right now from the prospects challenge at Lecom Harbor Center but what we did experience just a couple of weeks ago at the Sabres alumni tournament was a sit-down opportunity with the junior coach of Peyton Krebs and former Sabre himself, James Patrick. Peyton was really important in my coaching career as a junior player because as a 16-year-old kid, he was extremely driven, um, would do anything to get better, um, was one of those kids who was a you know great player at 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, he probably held on to the puck way too much because he wanted to do it all himself and that was probably my challenge as a coach with him, to, to use his teammates more, to um, you know, to give and go, and 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 I mean, yes, he was he became our leader, he became our our alpha male. He drove the bus on our team, you know, by the time he was 17, 18 years old. But he pushed everyone else to get better, and and it helped develop our culture. And then you know, uh, you know, when Peyton was uh, 18, Matt Savoy came in as, as a as a young player, and 
you know, I think uh, Matt, Matt, and and then you know Zach. Zach actually roomed as a 15-year-old with Peyton. Uh, we put them together. Uh, we played out of a bubble. That was the year of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of them have some similar characteristics. They're all different players. Um, you know, I think in the NHL, I think Peyton is getting his his feet under him. He's he's established himself as an NHL player. He still has dreams and and wants to be a top six forward and i don't know if that'll happen because the nhl put you in your place Mm. um and we all i mean i I tell the story to my young players that guy carboneau was the the best player in the quebec junior league he won the scoring race by a mile and yet when he got to the nhl he had to find a way to he played in the minors then he got to the nhl he became the best defensive forward because that's where the NHL put put him in his place, and mm-hmm. and that's how he had to succeed. So, I I know Peyton is driven and he's competitive and he'll do anything to to help the team win. Uh, you know, I think he's got to become a, a a good penalty killer. A good, I think he's got great energy. He, you know, he count he brings energy every day, and he might he's not going to be a top six forward. He might not, but there's still a a, a leadership role, a a work ethic role that he can influence the team. Mm-hmm. What an answer from James yep. Patrick and how lucky are we to have had James be able to help us understand not one, not two, but three significant young pieces yes. in this makeup of the Sabres now and in the future in Matt Savoy, Zach Benson, and of course, Peyton Krebs. The second he uttered those words that the NHL can put you in your place, mm-hmm. we were both like, ooh, this is this is that's really a quote, that's a quote to this use. Is, this is a quote that now is going to be for us attached to Peyton Krebs moving forward because there's nothing wrong with the NHL defining your role. Now the question is how much can Krebs embrace it? What do you think that role should be? And oh, by the way, let me add this little bit. Peyton Krebs still has not emerged, and this may be phrased the wrong way, but he's not yet a top four penalty killer among the forward group on this team. Now, that's by choice from the coaching staff. He has been third pair among forwards, but guess who's not in the top four right now? Jack Quinn. As the season wore on there, your top four guys were Tuck, Gergensen's cousins mm-hmm. and Quinn with third pair minutes on the PK going to Krebs. So for all the talk of how does Buffalo and who on Buffalo steps up to fill the Quinn absence, this is a specific area that is open, presumably based on average shorthanded time on ice last year for Peyton Krebs to step up into. So again, going back to James Patrick's and the NHL puts you in your place is that you may have all the talent and all the desire and the work ethic, but at times, if you're a goalie and you're buying a Marty Brodeur, like you're not going to, or Dominic Kashuk, you're not going to get there, right? And you may need to find a different role, a different path. Players are the same thing, depending on what the roster is constructed in front of you and what kind of opportunities you get. And I think with Peyton Krebs, the last two years allowed us to see what the NHL is doing with Peyton Krebs. He comes from Vegas, goes to Rochester, comes up to Buffalo, whatnot, plays 48 games two years ago, has seven goals, 15 assists, right? 22 points. You're thinking, hey, 22 points in 48 games, 
Maybe that's a 40-point season for Peyton Krabs over an 82-game season. Maybe that's 15 to 20 goals. Um, and then last season, in a full season of 74 games, it's nine goals, 17 assists for 26 points. So the numbers were not much different over 74 games than they were over 48 games, right? But the NHL decided to send Peyton Krebs on a certain path, on a certain direction of what they thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Guy Carboneau, James Patrick talked about it him and, and made such a strong point. Guy Carboneau, 72 goals in 72 games in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. In the American League, is full two full seasons, he had 35 and 27 goals. And then after that, in 18 NHL seasons, he went over 20 goals five times. Actually, four times over 20 goals and one time right on 20. He wasn't going to be this 20, 25 goal scorer. He was going to be at 12 to 18 and play a massive role defensively. So could that be embraced by Peyton Krebs? I think that's the question more than could he do it? Because I think he can do it, but you have to embrace it as a player and say, that is what I'm going to be. You look around and you say, well, Tate Thompson broke out and, you know, at 30 some goals and then 40 some goals. And you're thinking anybody can break out at any given time. Mm -hmm. Yes. But when the doors start to close, are you willing to embrace it? and change for the better of your club and probably for the better of your career. And that's where Peyton Krebs is right now. And I mean, the numbers, I just give you the basic numbers, the goals assists, right? But his ice time went down, went down by almost a minute last year from where it was the year before. So again, this is a, well, he dropped down in the lineup. Right. But that's a good thing in the sense of that means there was more talent on the roster. Yes. More capable offensive talent. And it was spread out. Like, I think people would be surprised sometimes if they look at the the, the hard numbers on Cousins, Quinn, Paterka, and their five-on-five time. Like, it wasn't, they weren't playing a huge amount of minutes. You know, it was very spread out through this entire group. And, and Krebs finds himself in that opportunity. So, quickly, back to the PK. Do you see oh. him as the guy taking that spot? Yes, I see him as the guy taking that spot. And actually, if Don Granado could trust Peyton Krebs to be even more of a, 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 I don't want to, I don't think Peyton Krebs will ever be a power kill type of guy. But if you have two different units, instead of having the first unit on the PK and the second unit, you use them as your your defensive unit and your power kill unit. Whatever mm-hmm. Alex Tuck and maybe Tage Thompson or whoever is on, that's a power kill unit. That's a unit that can go and score. But whenever Peyton Krebs is on the ice, I believe that it's your defensive unit. As we're going to suffocate, maybe the, the top unit on the other side. Mm-hmm. So that's the game that Don Granado has to play now. I really feel that Gergensons and Krebs could be that top unit, that top defensive penalty kill unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you you did some penalty kill digging. I did a little bit of it. But last year, on the penalty kill, if you look at the expected goals against, okay, mm-hmm. the top guy, like, okay, maybe you have J.J. Peterka, but he played five minutes of penalty kill last season. So it doesn't count. The sample is too, it's too small. But the top two guys, when you look at expected goals against, what mm-hmm. amount of quality chances you've given up against were Krebs and Quinn. Then it yep. was Caliposo, then it was Thompson, and then it was Gergensen's. So yep. 
Krebs is the guy that when and with the amount of minutes that he played on the penalty kill, which is still substantial, there's enough of a sample size. He was your best defensive penalty killer forwards on the team. Like that's a role that could be really embraced by Peyton Krebs saying, you know what? When I see the first unit jump over the board on the other side, I'm going. I'm going because I'm the one that's going to be killing the 45 seconds a minute that need to be against that unit. Just based on the um, the the real numbers, meaning the actual goals scored, not expected or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. You look at the minutes that Krebs was on the ice on the penalty kill and the actual goals against compared to most others on the team he was he was in a really 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 good place and so when you just trotted out the expected goals against i wasn't surprised to hear that at all but i'm as fascinated by the fact that him and quinn because now we're talking about one replacing the other yeah at least in the short term so that could prove to be beneficial in that you know you, you might have a similar type of player you already talked about quinn earlier in the week and the fact that he you know, had these incredibly impressive defensive zone numbers as far as being able to get the puck out. So um, that can help in the penalty kill. So it's nice to hear that, you know, these things are all kind of lining up to paint an accurate picture of a guy. Um, And and Krebs hopes to be like Quinn in that regard, someone that can be trusted to get the puck out of the zone. So, But Jeff Jeff on, on social media on Twitter says, you know what? He is much better, a much better playmaker than he gets credit for. So Jeff wants to see Krebs on the power play on the half wall. I'm going to tell you this. Like if I have to say, okay, I have a role for Peyton Krebs and I have a role for Jack Quinn. Mm -hmm. And right now, I think Krebs is more, let's put you in the penalty killer role and go this way. And if you have to pick a role for Jack Quinn, that would be more on the power play side. Although Jack Quinn can kill, but... Yeah. The talent that Jack Quinn has, the shot that Jack Quinn has, that's I want that on the power play. And if you have to spread minutes around a little bit more and define roles for players, I think you have Krebs on the PK, Quinn on the power play, because Krebs has shown that he can fill in where Jack Quinn was last season. Yeah, I mean Quinn, like Tuck, is going to be an all situations player. Yeah. I just don't see. I just don't see that changing, and especially with uh, obviously the usage already in his first full NHL season. Um, the trust from the coach on Quinn is is large. It's just not going to be there for the first, you know, who knows, maybe half the season. But um, as far as Krebs is concerned, I think um, now the question becomes who best to play with? Because last year it was, for the majority, you could say, Opozo and Gergensen's. But he did dabble with a lot, a lot of other players. So, um, do you think he'll break away, uh, or do you think a big reason why twenty-one and twenty-eight are back for this coming season is because the coach really liked what he saw in the three of them together? I think Don Granado and Kevin Adams and the whole hockey department really like what they saw in Krebs between Gergensen's and Oposo, the numbers suggest that. On the Sabres, expected goals against at five on five, the best two forwards per 60 minutes were Gergensen's and Peyton Krebs. They gave up the least amount of chances. Now, I understand. If you play fourth line against fourth line, or if you play them in the defensive role, they're not going to take chances. They're going to take time and space away. So maybe the numbers are the result of their role and the uh, opposition that they are playing against. But I would almost look at 
you know, first line, second line, third line, fourth line. I think our the top six is your offensive guys, and your bottom six are okay. What can you do? What kind of role can you give us? I think Krebs, Gergensons, and Oposo could be your shutdown guys. They, they're not going to play 20 minutes a game, but maybe the 13, 14 minutes that they give you are going to be go out for a shift against the other team's top line so that could, we can free up Thompson and Tuck and Skinner. And maybe we can free up Cousins and Paterka. Like, give us that opportunity to play well against top lines. And those three together can do it. If you put Tyson Jost between Gergensons and Oposo, I don't have that faith that you can go against Austin Matthews, let's see, and say, right. go shut him down for one period while we try to get a better matchup that's going to help us. But if you put Krebs in that middle, I do feel that confident that that can get done. So that's why I I really feel those three would stick together. Well, as we know, uh, they were an incredibly elite offensive team last year. So my hope is that that trend continues and there's really no reason to think that it wouldn't. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because when you say top six, I, I still feel like we live in a world of top nine. Like if you're going to maintain that place, you got to be able to trust that you're going to get more from just your top two lines. But as we also know, we can sit here and celebrate the offense all we want. Um, the critical component of this off season has been figuring out how to be just a little bit better defensively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we I was looking at the penalty kill numbers on Krebs and I went back to the end of the season where the team ended with a nine, two and one run over the final 12 games only to come up just shy. I looked specifically at the penalty kill numbers because, you know, it was really hard for the entire group last year. And really for the last two years, this team ranks, 30th on the penalty kill over the last two years yeah. at only about 74%. And Marty, all you have to be, and I know it sounds simple, but if you were 5% better on the penalty kill, if you just went from 74% to 79, you're in the top half of the league. And that is going to make a massive difference. They gave up 61 goals against on the penalty kill last year. Yep. <clears throat> there were a number of teams in and around 40 goals against. That's the goal for me. Give up a penalty kill a goal against every other game. You yeah. can live with that. And guess what? In the 12-game stretch to close out the year, they were 9-2-1. and one. They gave up six goals against while on the penalty kill. So there's that defined number. I settled for half, 50 instead of 61. 100%. But here's the, here's the trick. There's nothing else Buffalo couldn't do to get better in this regard in the sense of discipline. They're yeah. already one of the most disciplined teams in the league. They take very, very, very few penalties. So you have to find a way to Gold just tending. minimize the damage against. And and I, maybe they latched onto it. The common sense answer for how did they do it in the last 12 games? Well, they had better goaltending, right? Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Goaltending <laughs> helps a lot. So, but, uh, but I just hope that that's another little window that they're focused. And I know it is. I mean, they're focused on every window, obviously, but um, there's a couple, just a couple of quick, uh, you know, quick notions or quick notes on Peyton Krebs. Cause I know shade on Goldman is coming up and we're going to mm -hmm. talk about a lot of different things. Um, maybe a little tennis because it's coming to close here this yeah. weekend with the U S open, but Peyton Krebs the year uh, before so two years ago, at 19 hits and 48 games played. 
He went to 93 hits in 74 games played last year. He was number one on the Sabres forward in hits per game. Only Rasmus Dahlin was at, and Lubushkin were ahead of him. But that is a role. The NHL put Peyton Krebs in his place and say, that's where you're going to be, kid. You know, you want to be that guy, that villain, that that pain in the neck, that guy that's going to hit, that guy that's going to fight, maybe come to the defense of a teammate or two. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the NHL sent a postcard to Peyton Krebs and said, that's where you're going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's shooting percentage. Peyton Krebs doesn't have a great shooting, uh, a great shot, right? His shot is, is something we talked about. It looks weak at times. Like, he really has to work on getting it off. It's not like Thompson, the quick wrister, or, or Quinn, or Olofsson. But he gets close to the net. Only Middlestead and Olofsson had inner shot slots worse than, than Peyton Krebs. Like, he gets close to the net. And for me, that's important when you look at, you know, Peyton Krebs maybe not being able to beat a goalie from out far, but get close to the net. 11.5 shooting percentage. That's that's pretty that's good. That's seventh on the Sabres only. Olafson, Thompson, Tuck, Cousin, Skinner, and Jordan Greenway in a short sample. Take Greenway out, it'd be six. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, you're going to get opportunities, but that's not your focus. Your focus is possession. Uh, dump in recoveries because I think I was a fort liner. He was third on the Sabres with a 41% recovery on dump ins. Mm-hmm. Only Greenway and Zemkos Gergensons were ahead of him. Like, there's a way for Peyton Krebs to find a physical approach to the game, a simple approach to the game, a defensive approach to the game, and then ride that for 15 years. That's yes. going to be your ticket to the NHL. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the hitting because, again, we talk often about the inconsistencies across the league and awarding the hits, but the eye test would have easily led you down that path yes. the way Krebs played for the entirety of the season. And, and it will have to continue. It also made me think about some of the other basic numbers that are, you know, can be misleading. But when you talked about block shots and or lack thereof by Paterka early in the week, yeah, I stumbled upon those again last night. Turka was not alone in having low numbers when it came to block shots. There are so many guys, and I just think that, you know. Our wingers didn't do a good job at that. They didn't do well. And again, like, there are sometimes reasons for this, right? Like, it's it's a coaching aspect of where you are positionally and stuff. But that being said, you can always do a little bit more. And collectively, the forward group can clearly do a little bit more to help in the regard of protecting the goaltenders and minimizing some of those high danger chances, all of which is going to be part of our regular discussion once the regular season begins, whether it's a theme night or not. But we do have a ton of theme nights for you to indulge in, so we encourage you to get to sabers.com for that. They were unveiled on our social channels this week. Of course, October 12th is the home opener and the season opener. And from that point on, there is absolutely anything and everything you could want over the course of this regular season. So head to sabers.com now and get your single game tickets. Of course, Amherst single game seats are on sale now as well at amherst.com. And Shana Goldman from The Athletic is next here on Sabres Live. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Now it is truly coast-to-coast coverage on Sabres Live. From the West Coast in San Diego to the East Coast in New York City and somewhere in between, because I don't really know where Marty's home studio is, we continue with Shana Goldman. The moon. It's unknown location. <laughs> yeah, well, your Wi-Fi provider certainly doesn't give it out because half the time it's not working. Um, Shana, our condolences on your traumatic loss that was posted on social media this week. Your gaming abilities took a hit. Is that right? They did. What did I do? Did I don't remember. In the, in the cart? Oh, my God. I, we, <laughs> I'm the longest reigning Bureau card champion. We have had a tournament going that's like been in progress for months because we tried to do multiple rounds in one night, which is very difficult to do when it's like four round ones, then a final. So we've just been like lingering and out of nowhere, they just threw it on me like, we're doing the tournament right now. And I was so nervous. I was so tense. I was like not prepared. Everyone had been drinking. I had. And it's so much tougher to start this when like that's your first drink. You're just chugging beers. And I lost. (laughs) And me and the other person who was the former champ literally were the reasons each other didn't finish because at the end, we kept hitting each other with shells. So we both took ourselves out of the race that way. It it was tough. <laughs> How does beer your cart works? Okay, so you have four people playing at the same time on Mario Kart. You do a Grand Prix, so you do four races. No computers with items, random courses. So it's even for everybody. And you get a half a beer to drink in a cup so it's easier to chug. And you can't drink on the first lap. You cannot drink and drive, so you have to put your controller down completely. And you can't, like, cross the finish line at the end of the race and then just chug your drink. So every race, you have to chug half a beer. So it's two beers in total, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but we had to lower it because some people, specifically me, could not (laughs) handle having four beers in this and then having to do eight in a total night. So that's what it is. You have to come in first at the end of it. And it's it's very heated, you know, like you could be like choking on your chugged beer, which I have done. And everyone will just come. They don't even laugh at you. They just ignore you because they're so in the zone. <laughs> and it's it's very intense. So everyone has to get really good at Mario Kart here and we'll have a nice little Sabres live tournament. Oh, okay. Are you guys okay. doing it on on the Wii? On um Switch. On Switch, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I haven't played on Switch yet, but I we used to do it on the Wii. So, but it'd be tough if I got my kids to do a beer your cart. It would have <laughs> to be like uh, maybe uh, drinking milk, like a full glass of milk. Oh Let's see how your stomach can handle that. <laughs> do like a you got to do like a plain seltzer because you need it to be carbonated. Like you can drink like a spike seltzer. Someone was using okay. like the hard Arizona iced teas the other day. But I think the carbonation is like the key here because you just feel terrible as you go after chugging that. Oh boy! Okay, I like that <laughs> beer. Your cart. And you. I'm uh, done. I'm done, Marty. That's all I need. New tournament coming uh, close uh, to Shana in uh, in New York. Uh, we'll do a full out, like full out, hundreds of people, big yes. screens. Let's get it going. Project like the beer going. mile. Like we're gonna train for that. We're gonna train yeah. for that, and the beer mile. It will be awesome. I've uh, okay. requested this. I'm requesting training for this. I can outcart anybody. It's the drinking I need to train on. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so you'll be the face of the burial cart because you are a multiple champion. Um, just recently this week, they announced the Heritage Classic will be played out in Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers, and this guy. 
Connor McDavid was out there to talk to the people. We have a picture, so let's show it on MSG here. A picture of Connor McDavid. His hair is all disheveled. He's got the white t-shirt and a like open whatever shirt. Um, would you look at Connor McDavid and say he is the face of the league, especially if you looked at that press conference? This is going to come off as so mean, but it's okay. Um, Connor McDavid, I feel like, is a prime example of like you can't have it all because he has. <laughs> All of like the skill in the world, right? He, when he's on the ice, he's the most incredible player to watch. But off the ice, the personality, the vibes, the everything, they're just lacking. You know, you see like a Matthew Kachuk and you're like, okay, he has it all, right? He brings the energy everybody wants. Everyone was thirsting all over him in the playoffs because it's like, look at everything he's doing. Connor McDavid just doesn't give that. He gives like, I have to be here. I don't, he doesn't even have the energy of, I don't want to be here. It's no feeling. So I saw that and I'm like, that's that is your that's your face of the NHL. That's why you need multiple faces. I actually think Brady yeah. Kachuk is a better face than Matthew Kachuk Ooh. for the things that he does because when Brady was in Calgary for the playoffs when Matthew was playing there, he stole the show, walking up the stairs with beers in his back pockets and in his My hands hero. and like 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 chugging and, and I feel like Brady is better for that. Um, yeah. but you're right. I think like Connor is great on the ice. Uh, Sidney is Crosby was like that. Sid was very quiet and doing his thing but Ovi was doing fountain you know snow angels and <laughs> keg stand with the cup like that's almost more fun to watch Ovechkin yeah. like in the summer of Ovi after the cup than it is watching Crosby so I think McDavid is the same way but Crosby at least doesn't look like miserable to be at everything like he's just very vanilla and I feel like that's okay yeah. right like that's who he is. That's fine. He's a little more reserved in the public. And like, I don't blame anybody for that, especially if like you're in that position, like you become a hockey player. You don't necessarily say, I want to become a star. I want to be like Henrik Lundqvist going to New York fashion week and, you know, like going to these big events. Not everybody wants that. And that's totally okay. But like when you have to go to these team affiliated events, like the all-star game, a little, a little joy. Pretend like I think Allison and I were asking everybody at the All Star Game about their favorite Taylor Swift song, and I think he was just like, "I was asked this already," and just that's oh. all he gave them. And they were like, "Can, can you pretend? <laughs> like, please." Even if it, like Nathan McKinnon said he doesn't like Taylor Swift, but he listens to other stuff and he starts talking about it. Like, at least you're giving yeah. some something. Wow. How do you feel about, uh, since we were on the topic briefly of Brady Kachuk, um, it's not like Jake Sanderson wasn't going to be playing for Ottawa this year. That was never in doubt, but he's now <laughs> seemingly going to be playing with them forever. Um, what do you make of the Senators and this ongoing discussion? Senators, Sabres, Red Wings, which one is finally going to elevate and grab that much coveted playoff position? Yeah, the Senators are an interesting one because I feel like they really have made progress off the ice. I like a lot of the moves they made last summer. I like that they were rewarded for playing so well by adding at the deadline. Now they have a goaltender, although like I have some question marks there. I think that they've put themselves in a good position, but they still don't stand out to me as the one to watch. The Atlantic disruptor that I was like craving to have last year. Detroit isn't doing it for me. No, like I like Alex Brinkett. I like some of the moves, but I need one more big splashy move that I'm just missing. And I think even if Maurice Sider and Lucas Raymond have incredible seasons like we expect from them, their rookie seasons, you know, built on instead of that second year slump. I'm I'm listening like I'm interested. The team for me, though, 
And I know it's going to sound super biased because we're talking about it here, but like I would have said this regardless. It's Buffalo. It's the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres have become America's team. The team everybody (laughs) wants to watch. They're so exciting. And like the excite, I think the thing is too, like we're so excited by high octane games and speed and skill and pop. And the Sabres give you it on both ends of the ice. So I think that's what's keeping us interested in it too. If they work on it defensively, yes, they're going to be a little more boring, but you know, they're fun. And it just feels like they made the progress that everybody else was missing last year. And they were the more under the radar of the three teams. And now I feel like they're kind of the more prominent of the three because they impressed so much last year. So the pressure's on them to take a step forward. But I just feel like they have a, a little bit more oomph than everybody else. And Ottawa's right behind them. Okay, Despite not so, adding much, though? Yeah, I mean, they were they added on defense, which I think they yep. needed to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. And a, a lot of forward progression is going to be important here. And I think the biggest part of it all is they have the money and the assets if they need to make another move. And maybe they do. Maybe they need one more high-end winger, right? So you have someone to go alongside Skinner and Tuck and Jack Quinn. Bring in more, one more player. Like, they have, they can do it. So I don't mind that they're going to take that approach. The big question is going to be goaltending. Is the goaltending better behind this defense? Did the defense improve enough to elevate the goaltending? And we'll see. But well, the, the defense was going to be good for years because they have Darlene, they have power, right? I mean, that's important. Now, they're both in the last year of their deal. Power is entry-level deal. Darlene is bridge contract. Jake Sanderson signed, and now my math tougher is correct, for $8 million, just a little over $8 million a year. As I first read the $64.4 million, Shana, and I thought, oh, that's $7 million a year. And my <laughs> math was completely wrong. Like eight times seven is not 64, it's 56. But anyway, um, so where do we see Darlene go? Is Darlene 10 and a half and power eight and a half over eight years? Is that what we're thinking here? 19 million for those two defensemen? So your timing's very good on this because I have a story on the top RFAs for next summer coming Ooh. out next week so i've started to look at this and if Darlene happens to sign before that like are you the starting point of the story or the jumping off point we'll decide you know what happens in the next couple of days but it does feel like Darlene is in that next tier above sanderson money wise and that it, rightfully so right he's a top pair defenseman he takes on the tough minutes they have a little mm. more certainty and he's coming off such a strong season so i understand going a little bit bigger for him and it's also not his second contract so it's a different situation entirely right um He definitely feels like this is the franchise cornerstone that Buffalo is going to pay. And they don't seem to have that same like internal cap on defense that we've seen on offense. We saw that with Tage Thompson's contract and we saw it with Dylan Cousins. Like this is the range. This is everybody's going to fall below that. If you're signed by this, you know, management regime, Uh, the Jeff Skinner contract's a little different, but that's not their fault. So I wonder if on defense, they're willing to go a little bit bigger and they could, or if we see that same we're not going over eight or we're not going over this cap hit percentage, but it does feel like Darlene's primed to do that. And then power, I could see that eight or $9 million range for sure. And, you know, it's a big bet, but it's someone that you're betting on the best years of their career, right? You're betting on those prime years. It's better to make that bet now versus in five years, because the contract's going to age well, you know, way better than it could at any other point. How are you feeling about the U S open coming to its conclusion? Um, I'm hyped about the women's final Coco Goff being in the final is incredible. I'm such a fan of hers. Um, and Sabalenka going across her, like that is a hard hitting final that I think is going to be a total banger. The men's side is a tricky one because you have like two of my favorites going head to head today and Alcaraz and Medvedev. I'm hyped. I'm good either way. 
Um, but I know everyone wants the dream final of Djokovic against Alcaraz, and I'm not going to be complaining unless the result goes the way I don't want. So I'm personally <laughs> ready to like lose my mind today a little bit, and then Sunday, like I'm locked in. I'm going to have all my superstitions set, and just uh, like an anxious mess for you know four to five hours. You better have your su- su- uh, superstitions done before the Alcaraz matchup tonight. It's not going to be an easy one with Medvedev. But quickly, I want to ask you, because obviously here in Buffalo, we're following Jesse Pagula, and you know she did not make it to the quarters, as you predicted on this show last week. She fell short one round in the double with Coco Goff. She fell short of the championship. She's going to play the championship uh, for mixed double, so she could still have a, a title. But is playing three events in this two-week time period in New York in a major too much nowadays? Like, they did it in 20 years ago. Like, everybody did it. But is three events too much? They were talking about it on one of the tennis channels the other day. Yeah, I think three might be pushing it. But I also think it depends on what you play leading up to this. Like, if you had a long two weeks and you're playing, you know, in Cincinnati, you're playing singles and doubles. I don't know if you should play three events the week after and the same goes for dc and toronto before that so that's where i guess the pacing has to come in and it's that decision of we're not going to go for doubles in cincinnati right and then we're both okay to do three events the next week i guess that's how you have to balance it It, it's kind of funny because some commentators will say it's it's so much just doing doubles and singles especially if you expect to go deep in doubles so now we're adding a third event entirely but i think we've seen so many players thrive because they do doubles and pagul is one of them it's always coco Goff because they're so good net front and they're so good in different ways because they have to be so the third one yes it pushes it but i think that it's so exciting that you can do mixed doubles that i would just pace myself properly leading into the tournament that you can because you get four opportunities to do it all year and i know everybody wants to go for it and like we all want to see it Shana, what else can you tease us with as it pertains to that story you're working on for next week there are so many restricted free agents you know coming up we have elias patterson we're all going to be talking about that we have lucas raymond uh marty natchez there's all these players at different levels and different tiers of talent. So it's going to be so interesting on who does it right now, who does it before the season starts and before training camp. So that's not a problem. Who does it during the year and who waits till the end of the year and players like Natchez, you would think are the ones, if I'm Carolina, I want to get him done sooner than later. Cause I think his price is only going to rise, but he seems like someone that they'll wait for versus, you know, the Pedersons and the Dollyans feel like they're going to be done sooner than later. So it'll just be interesting to see how many players go big and go yeah. for that max deal and how many players learn something maybe from like an Austin Matthews of you are selling yourself short if you go for anything more than four years right now. And, you know, we expect cap growth, but let's see it happen and let's see how you can maximize your earnings. Like, I do want to see the players take control a little bit. I think it's in the best interest of teams to go for these big deals as a second and third contracts and not the 28 and 29 year olds invest in your core and deal mm-hmm. with the rest. But I want to see the players take charge a little bit because the system is so skewed against them. We will look forward to that. It's Shana Goldman at The Athletic, and we will be back right after this. Have a great weekend, Shana. Thanks so much. Thanks, you too. Sabres Live continues on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. We're back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. It comes out over the line. Rasmussen starts away by himself. Getting it over the line to the outside. Rasmussen turning. Here's Rasmussen leaving it there. Here's McKee with a shot. He scores! Jay McKee! Jay McKee picks up the trailer, slams it home.
Rome, and Buffalo leaves the city of brotherly love up two games to none. Happy birthday, Jay McKee. What a great call from the great Rick Jenneret. Wow. What a moment against Philadelphia, and what a career, obviously, for RJ as we continue to celebrate and remember everything that he brought to this organization. We have RJ Classic Calls tonight, Marty, one more time here on MSG, mm-hmm. celebrating the career of RJ with uh, an encore showing of the banner raising at Key Bank Center. What a night that was. What an honor it was for us to be there. Um, and then, of course, that'll be followed by the final call of his career, the overtime winner, punctuated by Casey Middlestad against the Chicago Blackhawks. Nice night you know, heading into the weekend. You know what's incredible is that that goal by Jay McKee was, again, not expected, right? In overtime, you don't expect Jay McKee to score. Happy birthday, Cheese. But I remember the Buffalo News the next day. It said J Day, J Day, J Day. Uh, so it's a May Day play of Rick Jenneret's most famous call, possibly. And it was the front page of the Buffalo News the next day. It was with J Day instead of May Day. I love that. And you know what? I mean, you came in with Jay from the same draft class, and we're always talking about it here. The next up and comers for the Sabres, uh, not only on the current roster, but those who are behind them. And we get to see him a week from today. Prospects Challenge. Six-team tournament begins at Lecom Harbor Center. And we just can't wait to see everybody down there for game action. $10 tickets are on sale now. Sabres.com slash prospects. And everybody remember, Sabres Live is not on the air Monday or Tuesday next week because of the Bills game on Monday night. So when we hit the air again next Wednesday, the prospects will be on the ice practicing. And then Friday night, they play Montreal. Saturday night, they play New Jersey. And that's Fan Fest on Saturday. And then Monday, because there's a Bills game that Sunday, they will play Pittsburgh at 5 p.m. This concludes our West Coast coverage of Sabres Live this (laughs) month. Who knows where we'll be next, but we'll see you Wednesday. Enjoy the weekend. Go Bills. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.